friends, welcome to This Week in the Way of Jesus, a podcast by the 8th Street Church. We are a spiritual community of hope and transformation that is trying to live this way of Jesus. You'll find both weekly spiritual practices and weekly sermons on this podcast feed. For more information about the 8th Street Church, please visit our website, www.8thstreetchurch.org, or our social media pages linked in the show notes below. As our kids are heading downstairs, I invite you to turn, whoa, I invite you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. This is our Gospel reading for us today. They're all heading downstairs. I also invite you to stand as we hear the reading of God's Word for us on this Resurrection Sunday. So hear the word of the Lord from the gospel writer Matthew. He says this, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God, so we say together, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It seems that bad news stands all around us. You don't have to look very far because it's there and it's easy to see. And they say that it's not just bad news on the outside, but actually there is bad bad news on the inside of the church as well. Whether that be conservative evangelical churches, progressive mainline churches, or orthodox churches, the numbers in church continue to shrink. People don't want to come to church anymore. They're discontent, they're disoriented, they're jaded, they're angry. And I think there are probably good reasons to feel those feelings, but I would suspect that really beneath that, there is a deeper reason that people are getting up and walking out, and it's because of this. It's because we're afraid. The phrase that is most often used in the Scriptures is this one, don't be afraid, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. Don't be afraid. When bad things happen, the Word of God to the people of God is this, don't be afraid. And when something remarkable or unbelievable happens, the Word of God for the people of God is this, don't be afraid. Now, I've come to the conclusion that most of the time we act out of fear. That's how our decisions are made. We make these decisions because we fear death or we fear the unknown or we fear what others might think about us. Our fear comes from a solid place. It's legitimate. Life can be hard. We can feel insignificant, and we begin to to realize that the world does not revolve around us. Our lives feel out of control, and even death awaits. There is a reason to be afraid. That is, 
until Easter. And Easter is that good news of newness that speaks to a world that is loaded with bad news. Now, Easter is not just like some run-of-the-mill bright day where optimism and positivity gets us. That's not what I'm talking about. Easter is the event, the move by God for the sake of the world that adjusts our perception, that tugs at the fabric of our hearts, and that shakes the very elements of creation. We read about it here in this text. It was on that first Easter morning when the women went to visit the tomb, and just as they arrived, the very foundation of creation started to shake. There was an earthquake, and their worlds were upended, and from that point on, nothing, and I mean nothing, was the same ever again. Now, Matthew does his very best to describe something that is indescribable. He gives us images. There are earthquakes, angels uh, that appear with clothes that look like lightning, Clothes that, were, uh, clothes that were as white as snow, which is a remarkable image if you come from a first century Middle Eastern mind. There's an empty tomb, a stone that's rolled away, and, and petrified guards. And it was to Mary and Mary that the angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for the corpse of Jesus, but he's not here. He's risen. And he told you this was going to happen. So, I, I don't know why you're surprised. Now, I find this whole thing fascinating. Even after being a person of faith for 40-something years, even after being a pastor for 20, uh, this is is really amazing to me. This world-changing event is going on. And while the resurrection part is the part that's supposed to be the shocking part of the story, and it should, there's something else that I find really amazing here in this text. Think about it. Somebody... It gets killed for political purposes in a, poli- in, in a very public way, and they get killed by Rome at the, at the request of the Sanhedrin, and then that person is raised from the dead. And it all happens under the nose of the authorities who carried this out. They had, they had no idea. Now, if I was the son of God raised from the dead, I'm a little bit more sinister than Jesus. I know you all know that. But if I was the Son of God raised from the dead, I would be sure that the ones who let me have it would be the first, uh, the first to know that they couldn't keep the lid on the revolution. That, that revolution that began at the cross. Now, I, I don't know if I'd come at them or anything or if I'd try to fight them or whatever the case may be, but I'd at least make sure that they would feel just a little bit of fear. I mean, there's no harm in making people shake in their boots just a little bit. And I know exactly how I would do it, too. I'd be like Michael Jordan in the 90s coming back from retirement. I would send them a fax, and it would just say these two words, I'm back. Do you all remember this? I would give them a reason to be shaking in their boots. A little suspense never hurt anybody. I'm not going to hurt them, actually, but a little suspense never hurt anybody. It's time for Pilate to panic, and it's time for the Sanhedrin to be shocked. Only in the text, it doesn't get picked up in the presses. There's no coverage. Nobody posts it. There are no faxes. The news is all underground. And it is common women, women who are given the name Mary, that get the exclusive interview. And when I was a little kid... uh, in the third grade, our family lived in, for one year, we lived in a town on the East Coast just outside of Princeton, New Jersey. And my best friend in third grade was a little red-haired Mormon boy that year. 
And that year, I also had one of the very best teachers I had throughout any of my schooling. He was the best teacher that ever lived. I loved him, my third grade teacher. And we moved after that year, fourth grade, we moved to, back to the Midwest. And after that year, we all lost touch. So when I got my Facebook account a few years later, a few, when I was an adult, I wanted to see if I could track him down. The only problem was this. My best friend's name was Jason Jones, and my teacher's name was John Hill, the two most common names in America, right? There must be a million Jason Jones and John Hills on Facebook. The women at the tomb also had the most common names. Everybody was named Mary. Mary and Mary. The name was given to every single little Jewish girl in town. But at least we find that God's consistent throughout the stories because it was another Mary early on that the angel spoke to when he said, don't be afraid. God has seen you, Mary, and he favors you. Marys were the ones that were given the divine authority to proclaim the good news of the gospel. One Mary held the living God in her womb, and a couple of other Marys went, by, went to witness the risen Christ come out of the tomb. Now each one of them was, was entrusted to carry the message of good news. In this case, we, we see that the Marys were told, Go tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and now he is, and this is a key phrase, he is out ahead of you. And he's not in Jerusalem, and he's not in Rome where it matters, but he's in Galilee. Now, when I read that part of the text, that's the part that keeps jumping out at me. That's the part that's amazing to me. He is now out ahead of you. I'm going to tell you something that I've learned about God after following Jesus for these number of years. So don't be afraid. Here it comes. That's this. The scriptures indicate that it's true. And scholars and, 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 uh, and theologians confirm it. And the resurrection proves it. This is the way the divine works. God is now out ahead of you. Doing this resurrection, life-giving, miraculous, new creation God is out ahead of you, even there, even before you realize it. John Wesley called this pervenient grace. It's a special kind of grace that goes out ahead of us. And he goes out ahead of the Marys and the disciples to Galilee. Now, why Galilee? Why not show up in Jerusalem or Rome like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, 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 the Terminator? And I think it's because of this. His plan was not revenge. His plan was redemption and renewal, and rescue, and restoration, and resurrection for all of us. And so Jesus goes to the common place where the common people are, the people who have, uh, the people who have stressors and worries. He goes to the places where the needs are. The resurrected Christ goes out ahead of the Marys to the kind of town that we, common folks, would be living. Now, every year at our church, we try to tell the salvation story. And I mean, we do that over the entire year. We tell the story of Advent, then Christmas, then Epiphany, and Lent. And now we're telling the story of Easter. And every year, if you're part of the H Street Church for very long, you find it out. Every year we say the same things. We repeat the same lines. We sing the same songs. We read the same biblical text. And sometimes we weep the same tears. And the whole time we're building up to this great climax. And then again and again and again and again, 
we listen to after telling the story of Easter. Now, the question is why? Why do we continue to show up every single year? Why be so repetitive? And the reason is, is because Easter keeps happening. We tell this story, and then we move to the rhythms of it. And by, th- by the time we get to Lent, after Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, by the time we get to Lent, we are beaten down. And we wonder if God is active. And if so, we ask the question, does God even care? But then, overnight, we move from Holy Saturday into Easter Sunday. And it's, it would seem that when we wake up, the world is the same. But something is different. There's something fresh and new, and we realize he's not here. The tomb is empty. He is out ahead of us. And Easter is happening again. So don't be afraid. And you notice, Easter doesn't happen first among the crowd. It's not in the headlines or among the elites. It happens among the common, ordinary Marys. People like us. People who do life here on the corner of 8th and Lee. People in, in Midtown Oklahoma City who just run businesses and teach and, and, and go to work and school and, and speak to groups and work on projects. Just ordinary folks like us. We're a group of ordinary people with ordinary lives. We're ordinary Marys, only we have names like Ashley and Sarah and Karen and Abby and Anna and Joel and Taylor and Doug and Charlie and Steve and Peter. That's who we are. Now, God has gone out in front of us. Sometimes that's really difficult to see. Sometimes it's difficult to see for even the ordinary Marys. And sometimes it's only when you look back that you can see that this God is one that has gone out ahead of you. So over the last few weeks, I've been looking back a little. And it's clear. We as a church have been invited into God's resurrection activities all along the way. Our staff, our pastors, talked about it a little bit this week, and, and we could see hundreds of different things. And regardless of how discouraging or frightening the world has become, it's as if Easter has happened here, and that it keeps happening, and it comes in all kinds of ways. A few years ago, a little girl at our church was having these, uh, these anxiety fits of terror. I don't know how else to talk about it. That's how her mother talked about it. Her parents were struggling to seek out intensive therapy, and then they decided to get a dog. A dog. Every time this little girl would get overwhelmed and those fear terrors would make her act out, that dog would walk up to her and calmly sit next to her and rest near her so that she would feel his calm and find calm herself. The mother said, finally, it seems... After a year, those fits have gone away. My son was a 2020, my son Watson was a 2020 high school grad. Remember 2020? That was not a very good year, everybody, in case you forgot. Some of you have tried to put it out of your mind, but it was the worst for that class, that high school class. They missed everything. There was no prom, there was no sports, there was no graduation. Made his mother cry when we had to watch it on YouTube. Then they, went, they all went to college. Then Delta and Omicron made the freshman year of college so difficult. He spent a little time trying to figure it out. Then he moved out on his own, and we could see him struggling. And frankly, we were worried, and I think he was worried. But one day in the middle of a storm, something was scratching on his apartment door, and he opened the door, and he found this. It was a dog. And along with his cat, it has brought 
incredible healing to him in his life. That's what he'll tell you. Now he's returned to school. He works full time. He's paying for it on his own. He's making a life for himself. Emily lost her dog, Howie, on the hottest day of July a couple of summers ago. I don't know if some of you remember this, but people from this church went to Emily's house and searched the neighborhood for an entire day. It was one million degrees out, everybody. I drove everywhere, and I prayed for that dog. I was like, God, you got to bring Howie home. And it eventually came that we, I just, we just never found him. Then the day before the ice storm came, in October, that's four months later, Emily got a call. Almost four months later, it was discovered that Howie had been living outside all the time a few blocks away, and he survived by drinking rainwater and eating people's garbage. Howie has a lot of medicine. He was taking a lot of medicine, and we were worried about him, but he proved he was tough. And he came home four months later. Well, things have been happening in our church, like new relationships with Restore OKC and Church Ablaze. But it's, it's also this, after battling alcoholism, we have two young dads in our church that have celebrated 100 plus days of sobriety and 400 plus days of sobriety. And we have two other dads. We have two other dads that have changed their families as they've been on, they've been on the journey of sobriety for for almost 40 years. They're getting ready to celebrate 40 years. We have, we have others that have vulnerably confessed sins, looked for counsel, been willing to make great personal and financial sacrifices to be better for themselves and for their families, that have heard words like, you are forgiven, and have felt a freedom they have not known. We baptized in the last couple of years Julia, Grace, Miriam, Elliot, and Jack. What fabulous days. And we will soon, in the next few weeks, be baptizing Cameron, Declan, Lucy, and Milo. Rio and Tiago were born to the most wonderful mother, Selene, just a little over a year ago. Their parents had dealt with infertility, and they prayed for these two little guys for five years. And on the day before her mo their mother found out that she was expecting, her husband said he wanted a divorce. And then three months later, she learned that she would be raising twins as a single mom. She is an amazing person of resilience and strength. And she currently is going to school to give them everything they need. So she's raising these boys and going to school. And with the help of her family and you all, she's raising them. And she's doing a heck of a job at it. And when they were born, they were in the hospital for months. And we weren't sure if both or one of them was going to make it. It was really touch and go. But not only that, because of the pandemic, Selene had to jump through all kinds of hoops just to go in and hold them and see them and feed them. But Tiago came home on Ash Wednesday last year. It's amazing. Rio got to come home just a few months later. Now, they're, now these guys are big and they're strong, and you know them because... You know them because they're the ones who are yelling during my sermons. And it is this sweet sound to hear these voices in full volume. Now, we could say it's a miracle, but what we would probably be more accurate to say is Easter keeps happening. And now these guys weigh as much as a couple of trucks. By the way, their mom, Selene, graduates next month. That's all... 
That's all stuff that's happening just in this little community of ordinary marriage. So not only is she graduating, so is my friend Andrew, who took the long road, first going to the military where he faithfully served and was honorably discharged after an injury, and now after a long road and a lot of work, he's graduating this year, along with a number of others. You've heard it said before, we tell this story over and over, but we started a no farm with no money and no land. How does that happen? Years ago, before we even started this church, Pastor Andrea and Farmer Evan, I've got a picture of them for you. (laughs) There they are. Before we even started the church, we were talking about how we might farm, and we were praying about how to do that. Then we started the church, and we invited our board, our leadership, to start thinking about it and praying, and then others heard about it, and then people started giving money as we told the story. Then St. Anthony Hospital leased their land to us for $0 a month, which is exactly how much money we had. Then others started hearing and seeing what we're doing. We started a second farm on 6th Street, leased to us by a neighbor that lives here in Sosa, also for $0 a month, which is exactly the right amount. Then Southern Nazarene University heard what we were doing. Now, uh, Farmer Evan is helping lead students who are interested in that as they're working on the farm there on the campus. And finally, we're making a small dent in the food insecurity problem here in Oklahoma City. And the 8th Street Urban Farm just won the Community Spirit Award that was presented to them by OKC Beautiful. Over the last few years, we've had to say goodbye to a number of people. We've said we're not a keeping church. We don't have a keeping theology. We have a sending theology. So great, great friends have moved on. Friends like Levine's and the Hedges, Hayden Jacobs, Avery Stout, others because of job transitions. And I'll tell you, I hate that. It stinks. But then Bethany Showalter moved back. That was great. Hayes Gillett, Asa Lamb Swanigan, and Laura Kate Henry were born. Jackie and Sean adopted Sabrina, Isaiah, and now Isaiah, now Emily. We've been adopted into a good family. We are not alone. We belong to God, and we belong to one another. Ryan Barnes hated his job, so he quit without telling Hannah. He probably should have told her first. But he's found not only a new job, but a vocation, something that he loves to do. And others have experienced the same thing. My friend Declan was heartbroken a few years ago when a relationship went awry. Then he found the love of his life and tremendous healing when he met Alyssa. They go to our church, and they were married here two weeks ago. Alex and Clayton also got married a few weeks ago. Caitlin and Corey got engaged. I mean, people, it's happening everywhere, right? New life, you find it. Casey found a place of welcome after a former church that rejected him. Eight Street's become this place of healing and resurrection for pastors and former missionaries and pastors who currently aren't serving in a church. Kenneth and Jennifer Couchman, Mark and Kirsten Pierce, Will and Courtney Turner, Braden and Angelina Hunt, Doug and Cheryl Samples, Jackie and Sean West, Nick and Lori Bollinger, West and Amy, Wes and Amy Gillett, Johnny and Callie Mason, all served in the church on staff as pastors. And they found heal- they've been finding healing here. Amari Ford and Andy Harrison left church work because they were so tired, exhausted, and frankly, they were fed up with people like you, the ordinary Marys. But both of them have returned to ministry to serve at churches in, in Tulsa and Dallas. And they said, when they, they said when they quit, they couldn't ever imagine going back until 
they experienced the healing that you all offered them while they were here at 8th Street. Sarah Hawk has been called into pastoral ministry, and she's pursuing a doctorate of ministry. She's also been taking preaching classes, even though she was told all her life that she couldn't preach because she was born a woman. CJ is nearly all recovered after a massive heart bypass surgery. I saw him on the day of that surgery. He was on the brink of death, and at 8 a.m. this morning, he was here, alive more now than ever. Karen had cancer 12 years ago. It was pretty scary and invasive, and this week, she had some surgery to fix the things of reconstruction all those years ago, and her daughter Hannah said to me, thanks for sitting with mom and dad during the surgery. Last time, there wasn't anybody, but this time, we have a whole community. Cooper, who's four years old, asked Pastor Hope if he could be a pastor at the H3 church. And Caleb, who's four years old, puts away the chairs after church every single Sunday. And when asked why, he says, because I want to help the pastors. Kids read, serve as ushers, and lead worship for us. We've gotten to dedicate Eloise. You can see some pictures. And Claire. And Luca. This is my favorite one. Here it comes. And Lewis. Gotten to dedicate them to the Lord. And how you are here is evidence that Easter keeps happening. So, so, so many are here that have said, I was done. I was never stepping back in a church again, but something has been drawing me. It is that he has gone out ahead of you. And so many others of you are here and say, I still want to be done, but something is currently drawing me. And still others have said, I was done, but I'm back, and I don't want to love it, but I find that I do. I'm always fascinated how people find our church. Uh, Carrie and Jason Googled churches, and that's how they came. Dustin called me one day and decided to visit. Joel and Kara followed somebody on Instagram that followed 8th Street on Instagram. And Trey and Debbie, Liam and Jack just drove by one day during the pandemic when we were worshiping outside, and they decided they wanted to come because Liam said, that's the church that I want to go to. And then this. This is remarkable. Two years ago, 14-year-old Ephraim was dealing with a debilitating illness. And as a church, we prayed and sought God, and we begged God for healing, and it looked bleak. And I know his, his parents' faith was waning, and to be honest, so was mine. And at the height of his sickness, one of his sisters, younger sisters, was telling a story, and she used the phrase, she used the phrase, back when Ephraim was still alive. A couple of months ago, Ephraim did this. He joined the swim team. He now competes on his high school swim team. He's that well. And as a freshman at Mount St. Mary's, he won the state championship in the state. These are evidences. These are evidences of resurrection. Easter keeps happening, even when it doesn't seem so. Now, we have to acknowledge there are hard things, Lenten things that we have to face. Certainly, that's true. So St. Paul says we hold all of these things, all these hard things, the hardships, the worry, the doubts in one hand, while we await the full redemption of our bodies. But don't get discouraged. Don't be angry. Don't give up or give in. Don't be afraid. Because it is as John, uh, Pope John Paul said, don't leave yourself to despair because we are an Easter people and hallelujah is our cry. I've been amazed this week 
been amazed as I've recalled these things. So I invite you to do the same thing. What is one amazing, miraculous thing that has happened to you in the last year? A job opportunity, a word or conversation, a word or conversation that was healing to you, a new experience or an event, a surprise gift that was given, help that came to you unexpectedly. These are the evidences that God has gone before you and Easter keeps happening. What, 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 does, what this does in us is it, it becomes the evidence and the foreshadowing of what God wants to do, not just for us, but for the entire world. And because Easter keeps happening, our, strength is, our, strength is, our faith is strengthened and bolstered. So I not only want to ask you what has happened, but I want to give you the permission to ask, what need do you have currently? What is a prayer that you've been praying, an amazing or miraculous act that you need God to do for you in the next year? One of the things that we do every single year is we come, or every single week as we come to this table, the table of our Lord, because it tells the entire salvation story from beginning to end. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ will come again. And so we come to this table receiving uh, the elements as uh, as a way to demonstrate our our belief and hope and faith in this good news. And we receive communion every single week because it is the physical symbol of the story that Matthew tells us, a story about a body broken, blood poured out, but also a story of new kingdom, new order, new world, a new reality, a kingdom of God that is now newly created and established around us, first begun in the resurrection. So Jesus invites us to this table. He invites people who are still living in the grip of the old world and all the things that bring fear. He invites you to this table. And uh, he invites you to come, recognizing that he, is, that he has suffered, but also that he has risen again. So this, uh, this dinner that he hosted wasn't fancy. There were no servants. There wasn't anybody of authority there at the table except for Christ himself. And there were simply elements for sustaining life and giving hope. So that's why we want to invite you to this table on this Easter Sunday. So this is why Jesus at dinner took the bread and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body and it's broken for you and whatever you eat it, I want you to remember me. And in the same way after supper, he held up the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my, that comes in my blood and whenever you drink of it, I want you to do so in remembrance of me. You don't have to be a member of the church to come to our table. This is an open table. This is not a Nazarene table or an 8th Street Church table. This is Jesus' table. So this is for you, which also means that resurrection hope is for you as well. We want no barriers, so our bread is gluten-free, our wine is non-alcoholic. But I invite you to leave your rows, come down the center aisle, approach one of these servers, and I invite you to come with your hands cupped, ready to receive that which is good and that which comes from God. We do not take communion here at the H Street Church. We receive it because it's a gift, and you cannot take a gift. You can only receive it. So leave your rows, come down our aisles, approach one of these servers, listen to what they have to say, and then when they place the bread into your hands, dip the bread into the cup and be grateful. And then you can return out the outside aisles back to your seats. So friends, if uh, any of you cannot come down our aisle or you need assistance, just wave at Macy. She'd love to come and bring the elements to you. This is the resurrection news for us. It is the story that Easter keeps happening. And so friends, when you are ready to come, I invite you to come. Friends, each week we invite our congregation to respond to what they have heard by entering into a weekly spiritual practice. You can find that episode to practice and enter into this way of Jesus 
in the podcast feed. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you wherever you go.